Welcome to the Geek Culture Happenings Podcast. I'm your host, Marcos Canales, and I'm kind of on a podcasting kick right now. I used to podcast about television, and I took a few years off, and a few months ago, I started up again talking about pro wrestling, something that uh, I've just recently gotten back into, and I had all these ideas in my head that I wanted to share, so I figured a podcast was a good way to do that. And after getting back in the groove, I wanted to expand my uh, my subjects areas, and so I thought of other things I like talking about, and I really enjoy talking about geeky stuff like, uh, you know, Star Wars and Harry Potter and Marvel and things like that. So I figured that it would be a good segue or a good transition to maybe focus on some of the geekier things in my life as opposed to just uh, pro wrestling. And I thought a good first episode would be talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, particularly uh, due to the fact that Captain Marvel comes out on uh, March 8th, also my birthday. <laughs> and it's something I've been thinking about doing for a while now, just kind of going through the, the movies and sharing my thoughts and um, putting together my arbitrary ranking of all of them. And since there's 20 movies out right now and a new one's coming out and phases are wrapping up, I thought that this is the perfect time to do it. So uh, bear with me as I as I kind of plow through some of these. Uh, but I wanted just to kind of start from number 20 and go all the way up to number one. So my least favorite up to my my top movie. Uh, maybe share a little blurb about uh, each and every one of them. And starting at number 20... I have the Incredible Hulk, and the main reason why I have the the Incredible Hulk last is because I always forget that it's part of the of the MCU. Uh, I know that it was the second movie in the entire chronology, but it's just such an outlier. It's a different studio. It's a different uh, Hulk, even, and um, it feels like it was only cursorily uh, tied to the rest of the universe. I think the end tag when Tony Stark shows up is probably the only real indicator that from a, from what I can remember that it was actually part of a bigger universe and it's been a while since I've seen it I think I only watched it once in the theater and I haven't really revisited it since so maybe there was a lot of things that I missed and a lot of easter eggs that just went over my head at the time but um since it's such a weird addition to the the MCU it made sense just to kind of have it at the bottom of the list. And that's not really a slight on any of its quality. I think Edward Norton was okay. Uh, I think this was the Liv Tyler one, I, if I'm thinking correctly. I, I remember enjoying it. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily better than Ang Lee's Hulk, but um, it was it was okay. But as a part of the bigger universe, it it's definitely at the bottom of the list, in my opinion. Uh, at number 19, I have Doctor Strange, and for some reason, this movie just never resonated with me. I don't know if it was because it was more mystical, um, maybe it's the character, just something about Doctor Strange didn't really do anything for me. Um, I don't know, just something about it. This was, this was around the time when I started to maybe turn on the MCU just for a little bit. Maybe, I think it has more to do with just fatigue, if anything, to be to be honest. Um, there's just so many things coming out and having to keep up with everything and it just was an entry that just felt kind of like a retread and it didn't feel like it was very anything very special so it was it was kind of lackluster in my opinion so uh, I definitely have it lower on the list 
Uh, I have, at number 18, I have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And this is probably a very unpopular opinion, but I do not like Baby Groot at all. Um, and I think this is when I really, really started to turn on the franchise. Because as soon as they they used Baby Groot to kick off that movie, I was out. I was out right then and there. And I liked Baby Groot at the end of the first movie, but it, it just felt like such a cash grab by by Marvel and Disney. They knew that they were going to sell a ton of merchandise with Baby Groot. And so they made that character a little bit more prominent than I would have liked. And that whole opening dance sequence is just so ridiculous. I just uh, It just <laughs> angers me thinking about it. Um, and it just kind of brought the rest of the movie down, in my opinion, uh, for me at least. You know, I still think it's a good movie in some regard. I think the third act is, is pretty solid. Um, but it was just, I was in such a bad mood after Baby Groot kicked things off that uh, it took a lot for me to, to get back into it. And I felt the same way about Drax. I felt like Drax was a pretty interesting character in the first movie, and he was totally ruined in the second one. Uh Nothing, again, nothing against Dave Bautista's performance, but the character itself was so hammy and so, so slapstick. And, you know, it took a, a serious kind of solemn character and made it into a, this one-note doofus. And while there were some okay moments, uh, some more intimate moments, I guess, uh, it was just so far in the other direction that it took me out of it all. Uh, so you add Baby Groot and Drax, and it was unfortunately, uh, unfortunately that puts Guardians 2 pretty low on my list, even though I'm, as you'll see, I, I like the first one a lot more. Number 17, I have Iron Man 2, and I remember liking Iron Man 2 when I first saw it, and never quite understood why so many people didn't like that movie. Um, I, I guess I admit that it, it really didn't do a ton to to progress the overall the overarching story anywhere but it had some good moments i mean it introduced black widow um it tried to maybe humanize tony stark a little bit more um but i guess in the long run it just doesn't add a lot and maybe that's why it's taken some hits over the the years and admittedly it, it doesn't really stick with me i mean i think whiplash was okay um, the Sam Rockwell character was okay. Um, so I guess really it's just an okay movie. Um, but compared to all the rest, it's, it's again, lower on that list. Uh, at number 16, I have Thor, the dark world and similar to Iron Man two. I don't, I don't really buy all the hate that this movie gets. Yes, it wasn't perfect. And it was the weakest of the Thor trilogy which is the weakest trilogy of the bunch so i understand that i guess but it wasn't as bad as people make it out to be um i like thor i like most of the thor movies i i think all three of them are pretty decent they all have something good that they add to the the overall canon but i can see why maybe it's not everyone's favorite but it was it's by no means a horrible movie uh number 15 i have iron man 3 and I think I like this movie more than a lot of people because I'm not very invested in Iron Man and his mythology. Um, so when I say that, I mean I didn't really mind the Mandarin twist. I thought that was pretty clever, to be honest. But I can understand how diehard Iron Man fans would be upset about all of it. 
but I think it was the best they could do with what they were trying to, to accomplish. It's it's kind of hard in this day and age to use such stereotypical characters and not offend people. And I think we see a lot of that throughout this entire 20 movie uh, franchise that certain choices are made that try to not upset casual fans that end up upsetting more passionate fans and it's damned if you do damned if you don't um and i can kind of see why they wanted to maybe avoid some of that backlash by you know turning the mandarin into a very different character i thought it worked i liked it um and the rest of the movie i think had had some good things as well um really kind of taking tony stark out of the suit and really trying to humanize them like they were building off of with Iron Man 2 and some of the Avengers movies I thought was a pretty good idea. Um, but again, compared to the rest of the canon, it just doesn't really hold up as as strongly. Uh, so that's why I have it uh, at number 15. Uh, number 14, I have Spider-Man Homecoming. And again, that's probably a controversial spot for this particular movie since there are a lot of people who loved it, felt like this was the best Spider-Man ever, possibly the best Spider-Man movie ever. And I I can't argue with that. I think Tom Holland did a great job. I think it was a a fun movie. But again, I think this is where the fatigue set in. And the latter parts of this this entire 10 plus year uh, timeline kind of started to drag for me a little bit. And Spider-Man Homecoming was caught up in it. I was... It's one of those movies that I watched because I felt like I had to, not necessarily because I wanted to. Uh, and I do think that hurt it a little bit. But I guess in terms of it being a superhero movie, being a Spider-Man movie, being an MCU movie, it's probably worthy of a higher position. But it's just, I can't see myself really revisiting it all that many t- uh, not all that often. Um, and so for that reason, uh, I have it a little lower on the list than maybe some other people would have it. Uh, number 13, I have Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, pretty decent sequel, pretty solid movie. Um, I do think that they also leaned a little too heavily on some of the the one tricks that um, we've seen in the past, particularly uh, Miguel's character uh, and his fast-talking shtick. I think that worked really well in the first one, and since it was a, a, a hit with a lot of fans, they decided to do it again and make it a thing. And it didn't work as well in my opinion, the second time around, it felt like it was played out. Um, and, um, and I'm not going to say that that was the reason why this movie's where it is on my list. Uh, it's just, it doesn't really, it doesn't stand out and it, it, it's a solid movie, but not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and number 12, I have age, uh, Avengers, excuse me, uh, Avengers age of Ultron. There we go. Finally got it out. Um, and, uh, you know, for a second Avengers movie, I think that it did as well as it probably could have. Uh, I think that there was, uh, it was by no means a failure in my opinion. I can understand that it wasn't as good as the first Avengers. Um, and it definitely kind of drags in certain areas. Um, but in terms of setting up the world and building the world and, and pushing the narrative forward, I think it did what it was supposed to do. Um, maybe there was a little bit too much of a, 
a reliance on the the, the trope of the faceless the faceless enemy and it maybe focused a little bit too much on that and Ultron kind of was a weaker villain um I think that the idea of AI becoming sentient and alive is definitely one of those sci-fi horror tropes that should be uh, scary. And I think there's other areas you can get some of that. I mean, Black Mirror and obviously some older sci-fi movies do it a lot better. Um, And I guess it it just didn't feel as menacing when it was coming from Ultron. And, um... Yeah, it just parts of it fell a little bit flat, but it was hard. It's hard to follow up such a a monumental movie like the first Avengers, so uh, that's why I have it at number twelve. Uh, number eleven, I have the first Thor, and again, you know, a pretty decent movie from start to finish. I like Chris Hemsworth in that particular role. I like Natalie Portman. I like Kat Dennings. I like a lot of this, a lot of what this movie gave us, and um, I think that. Thor on paper could be hard to pull off successfully and I never really felt like it was too campy or too unbelievable. I do think that that Hemsworth brought a lot to that role and he's probably been one of the most successful actors in this franchise when it comes to his character development and and the 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 character of Thor um outdoing probably what his his initial role was because uh, it's always tricky to have a godlike character to be sympathetic or to be relatable or to be uh, effective and I really think that he brought some of that to the role um, and so yeah it's a it's a definitely it's a definite solid entry in the, the MCU uh, top 10 time uh, n- number 10 I have Thor Ragnarok um, like I said, I, I like the Thor movies, um, probably more than a lot of other people, and Ragnarok's definitely the best of the three. Uh, I think it strikes the right balance of humor and action and um, all of the things that you're looking for in a, in a popcorn movie. Um, I felt like the humor in Ragnarok was more... It flowed better. It, it was a lot stronger, in my opinion, than even, say, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, where I felt like a lot of the humor was forced in that movie. Uh, similarly with some of the more heartfelt moments, I felt like there was a little bit more believability when when I was watching it in the Thor movies versus the Guardians movie. Um, and so since they came out relatively close to each other, it's hard for me not to compare the two. Um, and I think when I looked at them head to head, I remember things a lot more. I remember more things from Thor Ragnarok than I do from Guardians 2, aside from my hatred for Baby Groot. Uh, and I think it does stick with me more. And it's a movie that I don't mind watching more than once. Um, when I watched Guardians 2 again, it felt like a chore, but I really liked watching Thor 2. Uh, and so for that reason, I have it in my top 10. Number 9, I have the first Ant-Man. I thought it was a pretty solid uh, origin story. Uh, it was something a little bit different. I like the the idea that it was more of a heist movie. I'm a, I'm a sucker for heist movies. And it was in that era when every origin uh every origin story and um you know first entry for a character um felt like it was its own thing and had its own unique uh genre per se um than all the other ones. And that's true of even like 
you know, Doctor Strange. Um, but, uh, you know, the fact that it was a heist movie just spoke to me more than maybe some of the other uh, origin movies. And I like Paul Rudd in that role. I like the ensemble around him. And so I think everything combined made for a pretty fun movie. And um, like I was saying with, you know, Thor Ragnarok and a lot of the top 10 movies, I don't mind rewatching Ant-Man. Uh, I, I get a kick out of every time I watch it, whereas maybe some other ones on the that are lower on the list are uh, more of a slog. So, uh, yeah, number nine, I have Ant-Man. Number eight, I have Captain America, the first Avenger. And a lot like Thor, this was a, a movie that had an uphill battle because it's hard. It could be hard to have a character that's so earnest and such a, for lack of a better term, goody two-shoes like Captain America to be compelling. Uh, you know, he falls in the same traps that a character like Superman does where they're the the Boy Scouts and they're always the good guys and and it's hard to it's hard to relate to them, it's hard to sympathize um for them. And I feel like Chris Evans really owned that role and I think that May, while he might not have been a, a lot of people's first choice for Steve Rogers and Captain America, he did make it his own. And uh, I think that's one reason why, in my opinion, the Captain America movies are probably so successful when you look at when you look at all of them. It's because of what he brings to that role. Um, was it perfect? No. Um, but it did a lot of table setting. And it's an important movie. It's a, a very important movie when you look at the the bigger story. Um, so yeah, I definitely think number eight's a good spot for Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, number seven, I think this is probably another controversial spot. Um, this is where I have Black Panther and I totally respect everything that Black Panther did. It's a great movie, another good origin story, great villain, uh, Killmonger deserves the title of best, you know, best Marvel villain ever because he actually has a motivation. You understand where he's coming from. where Whereas you can't say that with a lot of MCU villains that tend to be uh, pretty one note. Um, I do agree that he is also... The, the one, I guess, knock against Killmonger's... The, the criticism that all of the Marvel villains are carbon copies of the heroes. And I can see that still being... Uh, you know, a knock on this particular character. Uh, he's just another Black Panther type when he gets his suit and everything and he takes the the heart-shaped herb. And so it's like Black Panther's just fighting Black Panther, just like Iron Man fought Ironmonger and um, Thor fought another god. And, you know, Captain America fights another super soldier and Ant-Man fights Yellow Jacket. So it's, a, it's definitely a formula. But it was a good formula, and this was a strong formula for Black Panther. But I do feel like, since it was in a lot of ways another origin story that came out later in the in the timeline, maybe my enthusiasm just wasn't there for this particular movie. Um, and it just it there's a lot of other movies out in the MCU that I just thought were better and I enjoy watching more. Um, and so while I think that, you know, I understand why a lot of people might think Black Panther 
deserves a higher spot. I don't I don't think it's one of the best MCU movies and I'll be honest, when it was nominated for a Best Picture Oscar, I was like, yeah, that's not the MCU movie that should be getting that accolade. Um, again, I understand what it did, what it accomplished, and it was very successful. And in terms of capturing the imaginations of the world and being a very important film, it was very, very successful. I just think as a standalone movie in this particular universe, there are others that I just like more and so um so yeah number seven black panther uh number six i have guardians of the galaxy and this was a surprise um i think i surprised a lot of people because it was this group of unknown characters that were kind of weird and out there and it was a comic book title that not a lot of people knew about and it just kind of shocked the world how good it was and uh i think Obviously, James Gunn has a lot to do with that, and he brought the right sense of weirdness and quirkiness and humor to it that uh, really accentuated the cast and all of their strengths. Um, you know, for those who didn't, who only knew Chris Pratt from Parks and Recreation, it was probably a an interesting turn for him as a as an actor, seeing him as Star Lord. But he he made it work, and obviously the nostalgia, uh, the nostalgia bait was effective it worked on me with that soundtrack and all of the 80s pop culture references and so I think it was just right in that sweet spot for someone like me Um, and it was a nice surprise and you know it was a great Star Wars movie and that's not a slight that's not a knock on Guardians it was probably the closest to a Star Wars movie that a non-Star Wars movie could actually get and again that's a huge amount of praise uh, and for the for a while, there was probably one of my my favorite movies, my favorite MCU movies. But uh, there's been a lot of great things uh, since then, and um, that's why I think it's probably a little bit lower than it might have been a few years ago. But I still think number six is a pretty good spot for Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, number five, I have Marvel's The Avengers, so the first Avengers. And I don't want it to sound like it's a consolation prize, but I think it's very high because of just the magnitude of the accomplishment i think it was hard for a lot of people to imagine a superhero team-up movie of this size to be as good and as almost i don't say it's flawless it's not flawless but considering the monumental task that joss whedon had and he pulled it off and while i'm not a comic book nerd and i was never really into comic books it's not like this was a a huge event for me like it might have been for some other people, but even I was able to realize what a astounding accomplishment it was to pull pull off the Avengers. And so uh, for that alone, I think it deserves a top five spot. Number four, I have Avengers Infinity War. And I guess you can almost copy and paste what I just said about the first Avengers movie for Avengers Infinity War. Um, the fact that it was able to take 10 years worth of storytelling and to make it all work and to combine all of these disparate elements and make it feel like a cohesive unit and a solid movie with a a solid story and everyone getting the right amount of screen time and um, that's just 
unbelievable. It's unbelievable what the Russo brothers were able to do with this particular movie. Um, again, it may not be perfect. I think that there are some elements miss- missing. Um, it's hard to consider it a standalone movie, I guess, because of the way it ends. Because um, it obviously is setting up Endgame. Um, but as a singular accomplishment, as a singular feat, um, it's it's as perfect as you can do it. You know, I, I don't think you can do it any better than what was done. Again, maybe not perfect, but it, nothing is perfect. But this comes pretty close. But I think that the reason why it's number four on my list and not higher is because my buy-in and my emotional investment in some other movies were just a little bit stronger. Uh, so number three, I have Iron Man. And, I mean, this is the one that kicked it all off, and it gets major points for that alone. Um, Like I had mentioned, I'm not an Iron Man fan. I'm not a comic book fan. I knew a little bit about about Iron Man before I watched the movie, but it's the perfect marriage of character and actor. Um, It set the template for a successful run of 20 movies (laughs) in terms of how to tell a pretty... A pretty solid origin story while keeping things uh, entertaining and, and fresh. And sure, a lot of people use that exact same uh, formula, but it's a formula that works. Like I said before, it's uh, it's successful for a reason. And I think that uh, while it could have been seen as tricky or or um, you know not ideal to to build an entire franchise off of a B or C list character, Marvel and Disney or Marvel did it before they were Disney. Obviously I think they were before they were bought by Disney, but Marvel studios did it. And, um, you know, here we are (laughs) almost 11 years later and we're still talking about it. And it's still probably one of the best Marvel movies to date. Uh, number two, I have Captain America civil war. And again, I think it's the, not to sound like a broken record, but the fact that you know these filmmakers were able to intertwine and weave in all these separate elements um, and all these threads and put them all together to make a tapestry that worked, it's just crazy to think about because it's so hard for people to pay attention to you know two or three movies that are connected much less, I mean, was probably like, what, 16 or 17 at the time. Um, and Civil War just had an interesting concept. It had a good story, great character interactions. Um, and it was definitely another another great achievement. And, you know, I say that word a lot, you know, but I can't help but praise these movies for what they are in terms of what they accomplished and the achievements that they, they made. And um, I think that that's why this will probably be the the seminal movie universe that has ever been or ever will be. Um, and I think the Russos were the, a great choice to carry it to the finish line or carry it to this finish line of this current phase because of what they did with Civil War. Um, so yeah, it's definitely definitely one of my favorite movies. Um, definitely one of the top MCU movies, but it's not the top one. And if you've been paying attention, you 
pretty much have figured out what number one is, and that's Captain America the Winter Soldier, which, as the number and as the place, you know, signifies, in my opinion, this is the best Marvel Cinematic movie to date. And uh, the fact that it was very different from everything else up until that point. Um, and it's funny because I never watched Captain America Winter Soldier in the theater. I watched it uh, at my brother-in-law's. He had it on his his uh, media player. And I was like, okay, you know, Captain America is okay. I like the first one enough, but I wasn't clamoring or needing to see the sequel. So I just randomly turned it on and I was hooked. You know, I was hooked almost immediately. Um, the fact that it's more of a spy thriller uh, was pretty pretty intriguing to me. I like the chemistry between Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson. I like those two characters in that situation together. Um, I thought they worked really well. Um, I like the the friendship in in between um, Steve and Bucky and how that paid off. And where we went from there, I think it was a important cog in the machine. And, you know, that sounds like it's a backhanded compliment, but this is a machine <laughs> to an extent. And it was a very important piece of that machine. And um, that's when I felt like Captain America became the centerpiece and deservingly so. And ever since then, it has been that tug of war between him and Iron Man and I think it's progressed nicely. And I think it, if for if we didn't have Winter Soldier, maybe it would be harder for us to to buy that conflict between the two of them. But at the end of the day, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, by far my favorite MCU movie, and in my opinion, the best. So uh, that is my number one. And we'll have to see how Captain Marvel ranks in this list. Uh, same with uh, Spider-Man Far From Home and Endgame. I mean, it's going to be a busy year for <laughs> for Marvel and for Disney. Uh, I think Disney has like 15 movies or something crazy like that coming out. Um, but the ones I'm most in- excited for are the, the MCU movies, just to see where where this has all been leading to. And hopefully you enjoyed my very arbitrary, subjective list of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed it, and if you want to hear more, come back later. Maybe I'll have some more episodes. Uh, Until then, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, GeekCultureHaps, and take it easy, everybody.